The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 191 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in L.A., Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Doing well. 191. What are we going to do for our big 200th episode? I think we're going to fly to New Orleans and we're going to get the answer on if Zion Williamson needs to have another foot surgery because surely in nine weeks, we won't have that answer. That makes sense. I think that's realistic. And, um, or, you know, just having his big announcement on where he wants to go next, but we'll talk about that later. Let's talk about the things that actually happen and then we'll speculate about Zion along with everyone else at the end of the show. Only 20 minutes of wild speculation today because we haven't actually had any games since the all-star game. So there isn't really anything, you know, but there is the news cycle has, has not stopped. That is, that is for sure. Zan. Well, I was texting about it. It does feel like very media manipulated in the sense that like, Oh, we had this huge Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, James Harden drama through the first half of the season. And it's like a show. As soon as that's over, like, what's the next cliffhanger? We need something. And then all of a sudden, like, they turn up the volume on the Zion stuff, which has been very quiet for, for you know, just sort of cryptic rumblings. But now it's become centered. And then, and then LeBron, too, partially because he gave the interview to Jason Lloyd, where he was like, you know, I, I would go back to Cleveland. And then he said he was going to play his last season with Bronny, no matter where he was. But, like, and then because there's some, like, that, you know, dark stuff about him not liking the Lakers front office anymore, blah, blah, blah. Again, just speculation and rumors and leaks and this drama that doesn't have to do much with basketball. That's true. And it's interesting, I think, because, you know, All-Star Weekend was, uh, I would say, a success, obviously. Uh, they did the Top 75 team. Everyone was all excited. Michael Jordan was there. It's still amazing how he just like stops a room, you know, mm, Zan, yeah. like he, he just like shows up and it's the biggest deal to everybody. It's, it's really, it's quite something, but the game itself was very good. The re- I would say the do game, you think, not to jump on that, but like, do you think LeBron will have that effect in 20 years? I, th- I think so would be my guess. He doesn't, you know, it, it's really interesting. And we've, we've shied away from like the LeBron, Michael Jordan type comparisons, but the athletic did their, you know, top 75 players and they had Jordan one, LeBron two. And I think cultural impact alone, you could probably say that Jordan is the most important guy, but it, it doesn't seem like there's that mystique around LeBron. And I don't know, we've talked about this a little bit, but I don't know if it's because he didn't, he hasn't won every finals he was in he hasn't kind of had the weird parts of his career where like you know Jordan retired he played baseball like there's just or it's just that Ben LeBron's been in the spotlight for so long and so I you know I, I think it was you know Jordan has probably always been the overwhelming favorite on Bovada Sportsbook.com to be rated the best NBA player of all time but for the first time in a while you know like LeBron is going to be in that conversation he's the all-time leading scorer if you count the playoffs and he's 
almost certainly he could get the regular season. Yeah. I mean, he he might end up with like the number one score assist guy, you know, it's like racking up every single category. Yeah. I mean, I think he'll be number one in scoring number like top five in assists and top 10 in rebounds would be my guess. If assuming he plays at this level for another two or three years, like, and so, but the problem is always going to be, and this is kind of what started this whole, like now there's this problem between like Palenka and clutch sports is that, you know, LeBron won a title in LA second year there bubble title. You can call it whatever you want, but they did. They were the best team they won. And then the other three years have really just been underwhelming and he doesn't appear to be any closer to what is this? This will be his fifth ring, right? He doesn't appear to be any closer to that. So he's 37. He's still one of the best five players in the NBA. Is he going to go somewhere else and, and try well, to you know, chase Here's a, a great ring? stat. Like, speaking of that, um, you mentioned they had the one title year and they, and it wasn't like a total fluke. Some people think that because of the bubble, but they were the they, number they were the one seed. You they know? Were the best um, the other three years he's been there and he's been injured for chunks of it. They have a combined record of exactly 500. Oh, that's actually interesting. That's really interesting. Cause they went under five. So I wonder what the record under, is. When he plays. And then they were 12 over and now they're four, exactly four under. Right. And we would assume the Lakers are well above 500 when he plays would be my guess. Yeah, I would think so. Um, yeah. but he, they had a bad stretch. The first Luke Walton year. That was really like the the low point, I think, from like the Lakers' point of view of just like we're not close, and then they get Anthony Davis, and then it turns around. I, you know, I, I do want to talk about all, the All Star Game, but the LeBron stuff is really interesting because it's it's very funny to see. Not to shout out like media conspiracies here, Zam, but like there is one arm of the media that is like very ardently pro LeBron, right? Like you never hear them say negative things about LeBron. You always get the leaks about the other side of it, and then there's the like more. I would say kind of like old school basketball beat guys who they get the front office stuff. And it's, it's very clear that like there is a portion of people in basketball and and I would imagine a portion of people with the Lakers that are just not happy with the way things are going from a management standpoint, I would say in, in LA. And I think it's very funny to see that. Right. Cause the, and, and it's, well, it's, almost, it's funny to blame Rob play. I mean, you know, it's not his fault. What, is, what no. how is it his fault? Like he could, he, is he supposed to be the guy that tells LeBron like, sorry, LeBron, we're not going to do what you want. Well, like, and then there's some talk about, they weren't happy that they didn't trade for John wall, a first round pick. Maybe it was just a pick swap after all, but whatever it is, like, I, I think if that's true, if the rumor is that they did not accept, you know, John Wall for Westbrook and a first round pick. Right. Which would have been that 2027 first 2027 round pick. pick. Like, I think that was like, it would be irresponsible of the Lakers to do uh, that. If 100%. That was true. You know, and, he, and, and I know that like, there's a big part of it for a long time. Everyone was kind of like, well, is LeBron even going to be, you know, after his four year deal, like, will he retire? But, it, you know, I, I don't know when LeBron's going to retire. Like he could be time. Well, and I'll, tell, I'll tell you something else. You know, I didn't think we were going to go off on LeBron tangent, but um, the fact that LeBron, you know, he's going to be a free agent after next year, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. he has a five. And deal. he never commits to a team or never makes them feel content, which is fine. That's his right. Obviously it keeps them on their toes. He used to do that more like in Cleveland, he took all one year deals, right? But this right. one, he had a, yeah, he did take a long term deal. deal, but, it, but just that sort of uncertainty and LeBron might leave, LeBron might leave in a way it keeps teams on their toes and in win now mode, but it also makes them make poor decisions. I think. Yeah. Because they're like to... so desperate to like trade. Remember in Cleveland, they traded for old Ben Wallace. They traded for old Shaq and like they same with Miami. Like they just like, you know, killed their future in a way to, you know, chase like these role players. Yeah. It's not um, a surprise. If you look at where LeBron has been, 
And then what the next few years have looked like, those teams have all taken a little while. This was the same thing too with honestly, and this is not Kobe's fault, but like, you know, Kobe took the huge deal at the end of the Lakers years for him when he tore his Achilles. And then like the Lakers were literally terrible until LeBron got there. And, you know, LeBron leaves Cleveland and they're terrible. He leaves Miami and they struggle for the next couple of years. He leaves Cleveland again and they're terrible. Like that's what happens, right? He's going to deplete you of your short-term resources. And that's why, the best point that you've made to me in the last couple of weeks is that like, if you're the Lakers, like LeBron is absolutely not going to play in 2029. Like, I, I mean, I guess he's not right. He'd be 44 years old. If he's yeah, playing hard to believe. Unless how can you trade, how can you trade your 2029 first round pick right. for a title and, now? If and then trade- also you, you would think, let's say they traded for even best case scenario, you know, John Wall's not going to be the answer in the future, but like, let's say they get Bradley Beal or some okay. Damian yeah. Lillard, like those guys aren't going to be good in 2029 either. Right. And so like, you're, you're basically saying like, we need to win. Basically, if you're the Lakers, you need to do something that opens your title window for the next two to three years again. And I'm not saying that it's closed now. I, I don't, they're far from contenders. I would say at this point, like, again, I don't know what their Bovada odds are like today as we speak on it's Wednesday, taken a while February. for like the books to like drop them out of the top five. They're, you know, now the ninth seed, 27 and 31 at the break, you know, they'd have to win playing games to get in. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're just not a contender at this point. Now that's not to say they can't be, but there's, uh, I mean, over almost three quarters of the season has already gone by. It's obviously weird because the all-star break should be the second half of the season, but it's not like, you know, some teams have less than 30 games left at this right. point. And so, like, the chances that the Lakers are just going to gel, everyone's going to get healthy, and they're just going to be a wrecking ball in the playoffs, like, it's not it's not out of the well, realm how about of possibility, this, but it's pretty limited, I would say. How about this? Because this is our, you know, in terms of actual on-court news, theoretically, the Lakers have to win a play-in game, two, really, at this point, if they're the ninth, to get the eighth seed. Yep. And then, theoretically, they'd match up with Phoenix, and that's the big storyline. Chris Paul is out for six to eight weeks. We don't really know how long. Let's say he misses the playoffs. Let's just say there's a complication. Does that completely change the the game in the West? Yes. And give a team like the Lakers hope, like, hey, we could actually beat the Suns. Well, I think that the Lakers would go in with hope that they could beat the Suns at full strength. Just, you know, you have LeBron and like you sure. just feel like you can, right? And again, it's it's probably unfair to judge the Lakers until we do have a larger sample of LeBron and Anthony Davis playing together this year. We haven't seen that, whatever. But the Chris Paul news is, is interesting because Phoenix is six and a half games up on home court advantage. And Golden State has said, I, I believe that Draymond is shooting for a return in two to three weeks. So it seems very unlikely that Phoenix is going to drop out of that top spot. Although on Bovada and other sites, the Warriors are now officially the favorites to win the West because of the uncertainty about the Suns. That's interesting. But that's what I was going to say. So, like, I'm not saying that the Suns are not a contender without Chris Paul. Uh, I certainly think it does hurt their title odds. He's leading the NBA in assists, like, you know, averaging 15 points a game. But it only says he's going to be reevaluated in six to eight weeks, right? So, if let's say they evaluate him in six weeks and they're like, okay, you're good to go. That's April 3rd, I believe. The season ends on April 10th. So if he gets to that eight-week mark, he's definitely missing playoff games. Mm-hmm. And there is a chance. I, I don't think maybe the Lakers could beat the Suns in a 1-8 matchup, but I don't think like Minnesota could. I don't think the Clippers could like at, at, as currently constructed. So I, I think they maybe should be worried about the Lakers, but I certainly don't think anybody in that like 7 to 12 range, because you know, New Orleans is going to try to get into the play in tournament, whatever. I don't think anyone should be shooting to play 
to match up with Phoenix. I think where, yeah. where, where it becomes very interesting is like in the one four matchup, like who but is I, that? I think it like theoretically, if Chris Paul's out, I think it takes them from like a nine out of 10 to like a seven out of 10 team. And then to me, then teams like Utah and Memphis and Dallas, I feel like they have a much better shot of, of making the finals. Yeah. I mean, I, and, I, I think Bovada is right. Then. Like I think yeah. without Chris Paul, I think Golden State absolutely should be the favorite, but I do agree with you. Like, Dallas and Memphis are really good. You know, Denver's. Well, let's let's flash back to last year um, in the playoffs. The Lakers were the seventh seed. You know, they had to win a playing game to just to lock in that seventh seed. They matched up with Phoenix, which were the number two seed. But I think so. Phoenix is only slightly favored in Vegas, if not even. And the Lakers were up two one, and then they ended up losing the last three games. Anthony Davis was hurt, so it was a competitive series before that. Um, I don't think the Lakers like your point. Like, I don't think they would think they're they're scared of Phoenix with or without Chris Paul. I mean, I think they're they're scared of their own team and they're not happy with their own team. They're kind of limping into the playoffs theoretically, but I don't think there's any team in the West that really scares the life out of any team, really. I don't think any team, you know, maybe in the East too. I mean, I Phoenix tend is, to think Phoenix Milwaukee's is, the favorite. Phoenix but. is really good, I think. And obviously it's it's different without Chris Paul, especially because of like what he means to them. And if you do have to play campaign a lot of minutes, like He's a good player, but like playing campaign 30 minutes in a playoff series is, is not great. I, I would assume but how many teams like this is a good question. Like there's a difference between we can beat this team versus we are better than this team. And I we you know, can or we can't beat. I'm sorry. We can. We can. OK. Um, so like, you know, at puncher's chance, you know, things break right. I think that's how teams probably viewed like the Warriors with Durant. Like, hey, maybe we can, you know, stop them, get lucky, win a few games. We could, theoretically can beat them versus like, I literally think we're the better team, it, you know, if we match up one to one. Like, how many teams do you think, let's say for Phoenix in the West, like how many Western Conference teams think they are better than Phoenix? At full maybe strength. Maybe Golden State. Golden maybe? State probably does. I would imagine Denver at full strength probably feels pretty, pretty confident. I mean, the Lakers at full strength, I would, I would say probably feel that way. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in LA, to be honest, like, cause the Russell Westbrook situation is so interesting in the sense that like, it just feels like he doesn't really know what he's supposed to do. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if like, we're going to see a situation where like Russ plays like 15 minutes in a playoff game. Cause it, it seems like we're staring that down as like an outcome. And so like, yeah, we'll, we'll get one game where he plays 10 minutes, doesn't play the fourth quarter. Then we'll get one game where he average, you know, he goes for like 40, 10 and 10 and wins. Yeah, game. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's just quite an odd situation. And so because of that uncertainty with the Lakers specifically, and, and to be totally honest with you, Sam, like outside of like the off court drama, like the Lakers have been just not an interesting team this year. I, would you agree with me? Like in terms of like watching them play, like there's nothing about, I, how, I enjoy watching them play just cause you, it's like, the, the it's content, like doing yeah, you're like watching the bench. You like love no, no, it. No, but I, it's it's like watching a kid learn to swim or something. Like you see them like struggling to figure it out. Like, should we play? Right. They, there's lineups where they play like Westbrook, Malik Monk, and Austin Reeves and Avery Bradley. Like yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, there and, yeah. and so I give them credit. You know, I, I'm a big fan of like you don't you shouldn't get credit for cleaning up your own mess, but like they are trying to figure it out. And so that's kind of where I'm not sure. Well, and maybe, also the maybe something does hit and maybe, you know, maybe, and, and like I said, like LeBron is it, the guy is amazing in terms of his like level of play, like all the off court stuff aside, like he just brings it every single night. And like, it's hard to count him out, especially seeing what we've done, seen it from in the playoffs. So like, 
I just it's it's hard for me to predict what I think is going to happen about with the Lakers. I just don't I just don't know because like I I just am very well the uncertainty about what they're going to do in the playoffs. It's almost and if they make it right, like they could just lose to the Clippers or LeBron could check out fake and not exaggerate his injury and then just be like, okay, I'll see you next (laughs) year. Fake an injury, but like the uncertainty is plaguing the Western Conference not only in terms of the injury to Chris Paul, but I mean and Draymond. But like think about. What's Denver's ceiling if Jamal Murray comes back? What's the Clippers ceiling if Paul George comes back strong, which it seems like he's going to? That's a team that beat Utah last year um, without Kawhi. I think they could win a round against you know a team. Um, so we'll see. And, and here's here's the other thing too, right? Like Anthony Davis is out four weeks. I don't know if we actually even covered that last week, mm-hmm. but like Anthony Davis has like a foot sprain, and so like, what are the chances like? There's no way the Lakers miss the playing game, right? Like, there's, it's, I mean, how could that possibly happen? But like, well, there's no teams play. like chasing them. If they were in like a dogfight, it might be tough. But like Portland, right behind them, is not trying Portland super is hard a, to win. Portland They're is interesting and not winning. Interested in not winning games. New Orleans, seems they to be do the only have been team winning. That, yeah, New, New Orleans, Orleans, I think, and Sacramento th- wanted to win, but they're just kind of far behind right now. They're three games behind, three and a half, four games behind the Lakers. My thought process is, and this is your favorite thing to speculate about, but you love like when guys are like, all right, I'm going to win the MVP. Like my thought process is LeBron is just going to play every minute for the rest of the season and try to like drag the Lakers into a series. Then Anthony Davis gets back and LeBron has this crazy MVP narrative where it's like, you yeah, know, the last it's, it's too late for that. Do I mean, you think it's too late? His numbers yeah. are, are pretty crazy. His like numbers I, are good. And it's for, for his age, they're amazing, but it's just like, Jokic and Giannis and Jokic, Jokic, Giannis and Embiid's numbers are just outrageous. Like just out outrageous. It's 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 crazy. I I don't know though. Like I think the Chris Paul well, like, is, if LeBron like wills them to like a you know fifteen and five stretch and he's averaging you know thirty ten and ten and like somebody will vote for him like Ramona Shelburne or somebody like that. But Dave, like, Dave I don't McMenamin, think Brian yeah. Norris. I don't think he'll have like the widespread. I mean, ESPN really is just like, like the the athletic has like the negative reporting on LeBron, and ESPN has the positive reporting on LeBron. It's quite interesting. But that, that I think you know, too often we fall into the MVP MVP debate. Like, is DeRozan a legitimate contender? It's like, no, he's not. But he's a legitimate contender to make first team All NBA. Right. And so that's like a really interesting debate, like DeMar DeRozan versus LeBron versus Luka Doncic. Like, I mean, LeBron is making LeBron is making first team All NBA. Come on, do you think he should make it over DeRozan if it's the two of them? Yes, I think so. Personally, I don't think he will because DeRozan has like a good season long. What if you put DeRozan on the Lakers? No, I mean, I agree, LeBron's better. Like, I, I just think that like we, I need to separate. I do a bad job of this because I'm I'm often. I'm I'm criticized for being overly critical of LeBron, but often I criticize LeBron heavily because, as we talked about, he seems to be making the decisions behind the scenes or he's heavily involved in the decisions. And then he uses those decisions to prop himself up because his roster is bad. But like this roster is bad and he is playing amazing despite the fact that his roster stinks. Whereas like he's averaging the most points, 20, 29 a game, his most points since his original stint in Cleveland. Yeah. Back in 2010. I, I mean, and obviously some of that's that like the game is faster and all that stuff now, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's just, he's been, 
I thought he was going to take a step back. I thought he looked very clearly diminished towards the end of last season's. And I think we both agreed from an athleticism standpoint, you know, he's still a great athlete and an amazing athlete for his age, but I thought on the defensive end, it looked like he was, he was probably done being like a difference maker. And on the offensive end, we talked about it. Like he was shooting a lot more jump shots. He wasn't getting to the rim as much. Well, now he's like bumped his true shooting percentage, like back up. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's almost like he's, he's doing it. Like they, there was a stat that I saw. I wish I could credit. Like LeBron is leading the league in scoring. If you don't include um, threes or something like that, or don't include free throws. It's like, he's, yeah, I mean, his free he's throw just making is, a lot of shots. Yeah. His free throw percentage is still down, but it's very clear that as a shooter, he's improved more and that's, you know, and, and that, that's impressive. But getting back to the Chris Paul thing, like I, I don't think, I don't think the Lakers would be a favorite over Phoenix, even if Chris Paul missed the first round series, especially with the uncertainty, like Anthony Davis is supposedly coming back in four weeks, but like, we know how injuries tend to linger with AD and like, I highly doubt that they, they can beat Phoenix without Anthony Davis, unless LeBron and Russell Westbrook yeah. can really figure it out. No, and that I, I mean, seems highly unlikely to me. Um, do you think Phoenix has a comfortable enough lead to hang on to the one spot? Like right I now, so. I think so. Six, six and a half games. And I yeah. don't even think like golden state, like I said, they don't get Draymond back till, you know, at least three weeks, it looks like. And then Memphis is, I believe, eight games back as of this recording, and Utah's double-digit games back, right? Like 10 or 11 games back. And so that's a lot of a gap to close in, like, what is probably 30, you know, to 35 games, right, Sam? So, yeah, so if you go 500, let's say, the Warriors have to go, you know, they have to be on, like, a better-than-they're-winning-right-now pace to catch them. I mean, I think this is – if. the, the reason I don't think this is a good time for Chris Paul to get hurt is I think everyone just assumes like, oh, yeah, reintegrating somebody is really easy. But like, as we saw last year, Chris Paul hurt his hand and he made some joke. I don't remember who he gave this quote to, but about how he's had a bunch of hand surgeries in the past and his hand surgeons like part of the family now. But this is like going to be, I think, his fourth or fifth hand surgery. And we saw last year in the playoffs, like he was severely diminished as a ball handler and a shooter mm-hmm. coming back. And so is he going to be able to come back and right away be ready to play at that super high level? Because without that, like, I hate to say this, but you know, he, he sort of got picked on. I thought like we we talked about how drew holiday at the time, you know, it wasn't like he was way better than Chris Paul, but it was pretty clear that they wanted Chris Paul to have the ball instead of Devin Booker because Chris Paul couldn't do as much damage from the mid range and and he wasn't getting to spots like he had in the past. And unfortunately I do think that limits Phoenix effectiveness especially considering kind of how they play out of pick and roll with eight and JaVale McGee. Now, I don't know if that changes Phoenix calculus for how they're going to run their offense down the stretch. And I think that's, that's my big problem is like, do they have to change for Devin Booker? And then when they try to change back when Chris Paul is healthy, because I, I would expect he plays at some point, is that going to be a hard switch to make just on a dime? And I don't know the answer to that. I truly don't. Well, I, do they fall back into their old habits of like, you know, Devin Booker going for 50, but playing bad defense, you know, like they, they don't have a long history of being this winning team. It's only been like a year and a half before, you know, they were five under 500 two years ago. Yeah. And I, and I think, but, but I, I mean, this team with Chris Paul and with Mikel Bridges taking a jump and like with the, you know, Landry Shamit trade and all that stuff, like they, they have been very good and they are very talented. And it seems like Monty Williams, you know, the culture they have there is, is much different than it has ever been before. So I don't think there's a reason to just think Phoenix is going to fall off a cliff and, and you know, turn into this 30-win team. 
Zane. Why did Chris Paul, let, let's look at this skillful transition to the All-Star weekend. Why did Chris Paul play? No idea. He said he wanted to get like an honorary assist or two. And I, I think it's but just because like, well, like, why? What's the I point have, of that? I mean, if there was ever a time that you're not at risk of getting injured, it's, it's certainly sure. the All-Star game. And he's not going to be the type of guy. You know, I, I'm sure we could see somebody like twist an ankle trying to dunk or something, but like Chris Paul's not going to do that. You know, the, the the pace of the All Star Game, and again, this has been two years in a row. We've had a good game. The Elam ending, your one of your favorite things, is is yeah. very good for the All Star Game specifically. It's very good in general. I mean, like there was a good article actually by Kurt Goldsberry on ESPN about like it was by Kurt Goldsberry, so it probably wasn't yeah. good. No, it was good. It was what the NBA would be like if they didn't have this history and all these rules grandfathered in, like if you'd had to start from scratch, what would the yeah, yeah, yeah. be? That's interesting. And the Elam ending, he's like, look, it's just better. It's a better product. And I, it is. But um, how, did he mention in the article, and this is, again, this is me just being curious, like in college, I like it so much better because like you do see teams foul a bunch, but, like in the NBA, it seems like it happens so infrequently, but that might just be because there's more games and, and you just don't yeah. see it. Well, and then the argument against the Elam ending, which if you don't know, is like at a certain point, you're like, okay, next you have to score 20 more points or whatever, it's seven more points. It's a killer for gambling because if you didn't know, the total for the All-Star game was 324 and the Elam ending, unfortunately, got us to 323. So right. that but was disappointing. The argument against it is like, oh, it kills like the true buzzer beater. And I'm like, that happens what? Like one out of 20 well, every games? Game, every that? game is a buzzer beater, right? right. That's, that's what they argue. Like LeBron the, technically hit a buzzer beater. The only thing I would argue against the Elam ending is just plain superior is like the idea that there would be no more intentional fouls because I just think we're not used to it. I think statisticians would eventually figure out situations when to intentionally foul. Like I'll give yeah. you an example. Like I'm playing you. I need to score one more point, but you have the ball and you need three more points. Yeah, you should foul. You should foul. So you're going to have intentional fouls still. It's just like, depending on like, they're going to be a chart, you know, some nerdy guy on the sidelines handing the coach a chart of when to foul or not. I think it'd probably be less fouls, but um, still it's better. And the other thing Goldsberry said, which I agree with is that the three point shot as currently constructed is just too valuable they need to you know you wouldn't have these like short corner threes be worth three points if you could if you yeah. would change now like you'd only have above the break threes that's kind right of- that's what he said basically it's but you know um, and it's funny his article is interesting because it took so long for people to figure that out right like and i guess it didn't take that long in the scheme of things like it took what like 20 years or something but that's I mean, a long time i mean that's a long, long time for yeah it's a long time and i don't know like if you looked at the life cycle of basketball since the three-point line's been in there and compared it against like the life cycle of baseball, maybe they did figure it out faster than like baseball mm-hmm. figured stuff out, but it did take, I mean, Bill, Bill Jackson is like the greatest coach of all time. And that guy was like anti corner three, which has like been proven over and over again. that it's yeah. like very clearly the most valuable shot in basketball. And it's like, you know, so, so who knows, but I, I think the all-star game is a good testing ground just because it's fun and it does get a good amount of eyes but like it'd be fun to have like you know your four point shots or something like that in the all-star game and stuff like yeah, that but like old rock and jack were you around for that or are you too young yeah no rock and jack and pros yeah right yeah yeah i used to watch the football one i don't remember the basketball one quite as much uh but Do you have any I, takeaways from also i had a couple takeaways i have some takeaways too first my first takeaway is steph curry is just like amazing tv when he gets going i understand there's no defense but like what do you It is amazing. You take it for granted. That you can like, just, like it's jack up these bombs. And if it was so easy to do, it would happen very often. And he just was like unstoppable. 
the second and third quarter, like he was just, I mean, from anywhere it's, it's fantastic. the other takeaway from the specific game is just how explosive John Morant is. He just is like a high wire act. It's, it's insane how good he seems to be becoming, but the, the game itself is fine. My take, my, my negative takeaways are from the the prior days, (laughs) but I'll let you go. I was going to talk about the slam dunk because everyone rants about the slam dunk. It's, it's like this life cycle where they're like, the slam dunk sucks. It's dead. Let's stop using it. And then it actually went away a couple of years. Right. And then it came back. Um, but it just annoys me. Not the, so much the dunks. Like it was underwhelming. No doubt. It wasn't fun to watch. Yeah. No fifties this year, but it's just annoying to me. The announcers like Kenny Smith, particularly who I'm normally like being like, eh, that's not that good of a dunk seen that before, you know, it's not that good. This dunk contest is, you know, like trash in the dunk contest, which is fine. But why would they only reserve this sort of high, high bar for the dunk contest? Like you don't see them talking about the three point contest being like, Oh, no one got a 20 this year. You know, it's pretty underwhelming dunk, three point contest, like, or the skills challenge, like skills challenge sucks to watch. Yeah. The skills why aren't they actively brutal. trashing that during the broadcast? You know, and they used to try other things, right? They had a horse. It was too slow. Like the, here's, here's the thing with the dunk contest, right? It's, it's like the event of sat all-star Saturday night. It's, been good. We've had some good ones, right? Zach Levine and Eric Gordon, like that, that was, was great. Cool. This year was terrible. I mean, guys just like missed dunks. Like they, they need. But Obi to. Toppin was good. I mean, he was okay. He was like one a B of the, plus. You know, one of the problems with like Obi's dunks is like they were good, and but he didn't dunk anything like particularly hard. Like he had two right. that looked like they were layups, and it's like like Jalen Green's like off the side of the backboard dunk. First of all, why he had Josh Christopher as his passer, I have no idea. Like, why would you pick a guy who just doesn't pass? Like, just stupid. But like you. The issue is not so much, I think, the announcers were terrible. Kenny yeah. and Dwayne Wade and Reggie Miller were, like, awful. Just just miserable to listen to. Cole Anthony took 10 minutes putting on a pair of boots. <laughs> like, you can't, up. You, you can't do stuff like that. It has to be faster. I understand the missed dunks and, like, if you... But, you, you know, so much about attempts, it is... You, you, yeah, I'll give you an analogy. Um, let's say it's a comedy show, stand-up, or an Oscar host you really judge the audience is very swayed by how well he's doing based on how much the audience is laughing. Right. And same with the dunk contest. Like if the crowd's not into it, it feels flat. If the announcers aren't into it, it feels flat. And so it's like on them in a way to like hype it up. And that's why like Obi Toppin, while he won, it felt like very underwhelming because like the crowd, like some of his dunks were cool and like creative. Although I thought the like hit the backboard and then dunk it was stupid. Like he should have probably like bounced it and dunk it with his other hand or something. But like, the only time the crowd got like really into it was just like watching Jalen Green jump because it's it's like watching someone jump on a trampoline. I think oh, the, the league needs to, to, everyone thought we all thought he was the overwhelming favorite. He just didn't. He just did stupid. He did bad dunks. Like yeah. it's just like and this is this is what I think. One, they need to go back to eight guys, and they need to go back to three attempts. And it needs to be you don't get like a break, right? If it's a bad toss, that's one thing. But if you catch the ball or something, right? Like you know, they're like, oh, it has to be a downward motion. Like guys got like fifteen attempts. Like you can't do that. And so I well, guys clearly knew the rule. If you don't actually try, it doesn't count. Then it doesn't so. count. And so like I felt like watching that and like just like I, I thought that the, the the thing started so poorly because the Cole Anthony thing took so long. And then he had a couple of random attempts like with the boots on, <laughs> like with his dad, and it was just like so boring, right? And so like Juan Toscano Anderson, who I think ended up making the finals, right? Like he just dunked yeah. really quickly and his dunks were just okay, but it was fine. And I think 
unless the NBA is going to really shell out money and be like, all right, Zach Levine, we need you. Like John Morant, we need you. Jalen Green, I think, would qualify as this as well, like in terms of being a good dunker. Unless they're going to do that, they need the dunk contest to be a little bit faster than it is. And that's why I think it should be more people, but I think it should be less attempts. Like I I, I just don't think you should get a lot of different attempts. Like if you miss twice, like – I just think that should be it. And, but I, well, I wonder, I was talking to my brother about this. Like, I wonder how much the NBA like supervises, like they should have the equivalent of like a dress rehearsal being like, okay, Jalen, you know what? You're hitting this dunk in practice. Like, yeah, he was so tired the time. Too. Like, let's yeah. not do it. Yeah. Uh, or I mean, coming up with more creative ideas. Like I'm shocked. Like when Jalen green came out with like an NFT or something, I'm like, that was funny. I, they're finally going to do the dunk that I've recommended my whole life or adult life of the selfie dunk. You you have a phone on the rim. You grab the phone and take a selfie in midair of you dunking. If anyone can do, it, if anyone mid-air. can do, if anyone can do that, it's Jalen green. He, but he, wouldn't that be like such an obvious, like cultural zeitgeist thing. And no one's ever factored that in. I don't understand. Why not? Seems you, know so the other, you know what the other funny thing is? So like they have these celebrity judges, right. And they, they, they've picked like, you know, old NBA players that made sense for this weekend. But, uh, Julius Irving is like notorious hard dunk judger, but this year he looks David, like us angry dude. This year David Robinson was given the lowest scores, I, and so like I wonder. It just was like I don't know. The dunk contest was just super overwhelming. Three point contest was good. Um, celebrity and also was, like not to nitpick, but do we really need like seven judges? Like you could probably what do they have they have like five, three. right? No, they yeah, have but five. you can get away with one really well, you, you need, need to get really... 50, you need to get 50 you can't have one you're insane you can't have one <laughs> i guess you need a 50 yeah. you need you need it like five judges is fine i just like i said i i think that the the spectacle of all of it has sort of overtaken what the actual event is and i understand that and so i think if the nba is going to continue to make the dunk contest like the biggest event of saturday night they need to either bring bigger stars and we know that Guys don't want to do it, right? Like we we know that's the way it is. So either you increase the but if it's like five million dollars, they would do it. They might, yeah, they might. I mean, the best players might not, but like I just think that you know, you could probably get Aaron Gordon to do it again if you wanted to. And we know that he's good and we know that people would watch for that. And that's why, like this year, there was only one, to me at least, there was only one truly intriguing dunker, and that was Jalen Green. Yeah. And when he, you know, wasn't good, like it just the, the dunk contest was bad, right? Like and Obi Toppin like deserved to win and I'm happy for him. He seemed like he was really happy to be there. He's a nice kid. He looked like he really enjoyed it, but like we can't have somebody winning a contest when they don't get a 50, right? Like it's just, sure. I but agree. I agree. I, mean, I do agree. With whatever. You. I, it's, it shows you that it's still the marquee event. Cause it's the only one people talk about so much. Do you think we negative. need the announcers talking stream of consciousness the entire time? Cause they just talk over each other. Well, like, it's sort of cut to my judges thing. I was wrong. Cause you're right. You like the idea of the 50. On a morning show, you know, post-game show, pre-game show, like, I don't need six commentators, like three. Max. And they have, and and like, Reggie and Kenny Smith both talk so much. And they, and this is funny about Dwayne Wade. No offense to Dwayne Wade. He seems like a nice enough guy. He's bad, I think. He's just not he just, good. He just doesn't have a good personality. Yeah, he's just like, like, he's on NBA on TNT on Tuesday nights, and like, he's just not very good. It's not his fault. Like, some guys it's, just it's aren't It's sort of like this it. idea, like, because their games are charismatic that they're charismatic off the court, but like, he's just not like, he just doesn't have much going on. Some, a lot of times when you do see someone who is charismatic with the media, like they are good in this role. Like Draymond is very good. Like that's just yeah. the bottom line. Like he's good. Shaq is pretty good, but even he had to get better. But like Dwayne Wade was never like this quote machine or like never super interesting to listen to. So yeah. I don't know why, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, he, he's just bad. And like Reggie Miller is 
always somebody who talks too much, but like him and Kenny Smith don't have the same chemistry that like him, that Kenny Smith and Barkley do where like they can go back and forth. So it's just like these guys yelling over each other. And it just, I don't know. It didn't, this was great. It was bad. But you know what? It's good. It still gets you going. It's a nice break. I think it's actually smart of the NBA to to think, why is it after 50 games and not in true mid season? Because I think they realize like it gets us through to this point. And now there's a little bit of a malaise until the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So if this was a 40 game malaise, like it would be, it would feel even more exaggerated, but we can get through 20 or 30 games, lock in these seeds and finally get to the playoff. And it seems like the low, most teams have played 58 games is the, like the 58 games is the lowest amount anybody's played. So at the most, what is that? Let me do that math really quick. That means there's 24 games left. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Um, yeah. That's, that's not a lot. What of are you looking for? Like, and do we have time to talk about Zion? Well, yeah, let's talk about let's let's talk. Although about I do Zion. wonder this about LeBron. One last thought on LeBron. You just made me think of it, how few games there are left, and maybe how little there is to the Lakers to play for. I think LeBron probably like look, make the All Star game, you know, try to win MVP didn't happen, and then like shut it down. Like, God, really, can we like, stop this? I, he, well, he I is- think that's what Lillard. Honestly, I thought Lillard was hanging on to the season to like lock in one last all-star game, not one last, but like lock in the all-star game and then call it a day. But he like was just not in the mix this year. So he kind of shut it down early. I don't, I don't know. I, I think that same with Bradley Beal, by the way, like Bradley Beal, like was on, just didn't have an all-star kind of year. So he like actually got hurt though. Bradley Beal. He had to have wrist surgery. I'll buy it. Chris Paul <laughs> had to play in the all-star game and then he shut it down. Is that the opposite of this? Yeah, I guess you're right. But All right, so um, let's let's talk about time. All right. So oh man, a lot of <laughs> it's interesting, like you said, that he was sort of we didn't hear anything for a while. Uh the Pelicans made some trades. They've actually been playing better. Uh they are currently, as of this recording, four and a half games out of the but, nine you know, spot. It, and so if you haven't been paying attention, it all started because CJ McCollum was asked, Have you talked to Zion since being traded? He said he said no. Although since then, apparently they have talked. They have spoken since then. And then, and then J.J. Redick really ignited the firestorm. Sort of sort of trashed him. him. Yeah, detached yeah, teammate. Called, should yeah. called. And then, Although it does show you something. Like I feel like this storyline a month ago would have been a blip on the radar. But because there's not much else going on, it's bigger deal. Yeah, it's it's, it's the like if you have, like, if I have, like, a huge sex scandal or something, like, announce it on a on a day where there's actual news going on and you can kind of slip it in right friday at 5 p.m news dump yeah what is like a slow news day this was a slow news day you know so zion has played let me ask you a question what do you think right now i think we've talked about he's played like 80 games or something 80 so he's played 85 games in his career he's missed 113 games as of our recording Mm. So you're not even getting 50% of games played with him. He is almost certainly, I, I don't know, you probably can't bet on this on Bovada right now, but he is almost certainly not playing another game this year. I, I can't imagine he would. It was reported, I, I can't remember if it was this morning or on Tuesday, that he may need another foot surgery, but no decisions have been made. My guess is if it's possible that he needs one, he'll just get it. Because like I said, I don't, I don't assume he's playing again this year. The J.J. Reddick thing is interesting because – I often think that people want the team's like best player or marquee star to be like their best leader. And that's just not who Zion is. Like he's never really been that guy, right? He wasn't that guy at Duke. Like, you know, he really wasn't that guy in high school. So 
but your responsibilities are different when like a team sort of is building around you, right? Zan, like that, that's kind of where this comes from. And I wonder if Zion's just like not equipped to do this. Like it's not who he is, right? And so that makes me feel like, well, then I don't really want him to go to like a bigger media market either. Cause like, how's he going to do it in New York if he has to be? But that's like, why, like when he got drafted by New Orleans, I thought it was perfect because he didn't seem like he liked that attention. Right. And he says he likes New Orleans. Like he's said that in the past, but the problem is like, he's not been anywhere. Like we've not heard from him, right? Like when's the last time Zion spoke to the media? And, and I'm not, I'm not saying like he, and even when he was interviewed in his like peak of his fame, like he didn't really say a lot No, or feel just, comfortable with the cameras. I looked on Bovada. There is not a prop about his next team, which is probably a good sign for the, the Pelicans, but there's tons of props you could bet. Um, about Zion specifically. <laughs> no, not about Zion, but just about who's going to make the playoffs. Who's going to win get, the division. Guess, guess your so, weight, guess your weight props for Zion. Uh, I, I want to, I want to talk about JJ Redick for a second. So I like JJ Reddick's podcast. Uh, I listen to it a good bit. I, would, I wouldn't say like I listen every single week, but when he has somebody that I'm interested in listening to, I, I listen to it. It's interesting to hear him now talk about Zion Williamson because obviously like he did have the moment last year where he just trashed David Griffin after he got traded, yes. but he was very pro Zion in the you know year and a half that he was there. And he's talked a bit about like how, he was probably depressed and he was struggling, like being in New Orleans by himself and they couldn't go anywhere. He wasn't with his family, blah, blah, blah. But then for him to come out and say, like, you know, I had this moment with Zion where, like, I had to tell him you have a responsibility to the team, all this stuff. It seems a little bit I, I don't think he's lying, by the way. I think he's telling the truth. But it's like, how much are we supposed to take away from the fact that, like, for a year and a half, you talked about how great Zion was. Right. And, and so it's not I understand how it works. You can't, like, trash your teammates while you're on the team with them. But it just I think it goes to show that, like. You really can't trust what people say about what's going on during That's their true. time with a team. You know what I mean? Well, you Zan? can't always trust what they say after the fact in the sense if they're like a scorned lover. And I don't mean that in a me too sense, but you know, like they they didn't like the way the things ended and they have an ax to grind. Yeah, I don't I, to be clear, I don't think he's I don't think he's making this up. I think this definitely I, I would say this happened. I in my opinion. I thought his quote about him was good. I thought you know, it's hard to be nuanced when you get a two minute hit, obviously, on TV and part of it's with Stephen A. Smith. And so, you know, he's going to scream at you. And like, so, so I'm not saying that I think he's not telling the truth, but I am saying like, I, I, it's a good reminder that when athletes are interviewed to take what they say with a grain of salt, because you never really, truly know what's going on. And so, but was I like, I just, it's, have we gotten to the point where you'd be surprised if he played another game for New Orleans? Well, I would be, except for the fact that he has, you know, even in the player empowerment NBA, like he has so little leverage here. He has, no, he has that, no leverage. He has less leverage than Ben Simmons. Right. Because he's under contract this year. He's under contract next year for $13 then he's, million. then he's restricted. Then he's restricted. So he could just take the qualifying offer, which is a healthy $17 million, and then be unrestricted the following year. The other problem with it is like, let's say he demands a trade, a la Ben Simmons. Like he's almost impossible to trade because healthy or not, he's worth so much more than thirteen million dollars in salary. Like, how yeah. are you going to get an asset that's like, comparable? What do you like? What do you get? And and here's the thing: even if you think he has a potential to be a bust, like the potential of him from what we've seen, like this isn't a Greg Oden situation. Like we never saw a dominant Greg Oden. I I don't I don't know. Like I, I'm I'll look right now. Well, but I'm, like Orlando traded positive assets for a flyer on Markel Fultz at around the same price. 
So you're telling me a team wouldn't love to take a $13 million shot at Zion if he was planning on staying around. I mean, I mean, but how could you even construct a trade? Then we can get into the fact that like last year in 61 games, this guy averaged 27 and seven on 61% shooting. Like I, I can't, I understand like everyone's obsessed with John Morant now and everything, but like, but who's like an equivalent, you know, trade value partner? No, there like, isn't. There isn't one because, like, assuming that you, I, I, I think, like, I think I've mentioned this before. Like, I'm hesitant to call players injury prone if their injuries don't continue to, you know, like Brad Beal for a while had like a bunch of leg injuries, right? And that was concerning. He had like a broken leg, then he had like a stress reaction, whatever. But now Zion's had a bunch of lower body injuries, so like it's possible that that's just what he is at this point, right. and you. And you need him to be able to play like 50 to 70 games. And so, but even with that, like 50 games of healthy Zion Williamson is like one of the best 15 players in the NBA. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, he was last year, I think in terms of impact. And it's weird because he hasn't like been as advertised where he's like flying around like Jordan or something. I mean, he was, he was like that though, at the end of last year, especially when they let him like handle the ball and he was just like dunking on everybody. I mean, the guy's ridiculous. But I mean, I was thinking, you know, we just saw Ben Simmons. Somebody floated a Ben Simmons for Zion trade, but I don't think, you know, the the Pelicans would do that. Like Ben Simmons, like James Harden, like you can't trade a guy like James Harden for Zion because Harden's making $45 million. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's, no I, I you would trade a lot of picks probably. Like I you, guess you, picks, but like who are you trying to get, you know? Like if you were the Knicks <laughs> and you think you can get Zion, right? you would probably trade Julius Randle for Zion and another salary. Like, I think I saw Julius Randle for Zion and Devontae Graham and the Knicks throw in like three sets of first round picks. Right. And it would have to be a high first round. Like the Knicks right now are ninth. If they got into the top three, maybe I could see that. That makes more, a little more sense. But now the Pelicans have, you know, CJ McCollum who's 30, Brandon Ingram who's in his prime. Like they're not really a rebuilding team anymore. Oh yeah. It makes Even though zero, the record is a, is a bad record. It makes in my opinion, no sense to trade Zion Williamson. And and here's the other thing. Like if in fact Zion says I want to trade or I'm not going to play fine. Right. Like if you're the, I hope hope they, the NBA steps in and is like, look, if guys on rookie contracts are not going to play the, the, the issue, listen, like I'm not saying that you're wrong and the NBA should step in, but the issue is like the CBA is like, it's collectively bargained. So like they're what they can do is already in print. Like the league, but they can't should do like, anything. I don't even think withholding salary is a good, well, solution. they can withhold salary and they can suspend right. you, but like, that's but they like can't. Zion's making a good amount of money, but like Zion's going to make a lot more in the future. So he doesn't really care about 10 million this year. As long as he gets to that end of the contract. So right. theoretically, the better the- penalty for him would be extending that contract. If you don't play is- by choice, then that doesn't count as a year. Your contract so adds we, another year. So the only like analogous situation of this was Le'Veon Bell, right, in, in football. And I don't know the differences between the CBA in that regard. But when he did sit out, there was like a big discussion on if it counted as a year of service or not. Right. And I don't, the NFL no, has that weird rule where it's like if you play 10 games or something like that, it counts. Yeah. Or and, and you're like, if you're injured or whatever, it obviously it counts. Right. But, but like, how do you tell? Cause Zion can always claim he's injured. He might, I mean, yeah, he may very well might be injured. So I don't like this would count, I think, as a year of service. Like he's obviously getting paid and they're getting on um, certain insurance on his contract. I, I don't know, but I'm not sure what the CBA says. If he was just going to be like, all right, I'll sit out the year. Right. Because I think Ben Simmons ran into problems too. Cause you could always claim you're injured. You know, Jimmy Butler did that a couple, you know. Um, 
But if you claim you're injured, you still need to report to the team. You the know, most annoying Simmons thing is needed like, to report to the so, team therapist or whatever. So like the most annoying thing about this, right, is that so Ben Simmons claimed he was injured, right? Or, you know, a mental health Zion's injured, whatever. But like, how about like a team like Portland, right? They trade for Eric Bledsoe and he sits out with right Achilles soreness when he hadn't sat out any games for the Clippers all year. And so it's like if teams and players are both abusing this, then we're not really in a situation to be able to make a lot of changes then. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, I, I think that Zion is going to play. I would assume he's going to play for the Pelicans. But I do think behind the scenes, he might be like, look, I don't really want to be here. And I'm not right. going to make well, you know, an effort. I, this might be a longer thought. Hopefully I can articulate it. But player empowerment sounds great. And in a way, it sounds fair. Like, if you're a podcaster, Tyler, like, they don't tell you, hey, you have to go be a podcaster in Minnesota. You have to move your family there. Like, you could do it wherever you want. Whatever job you want, wherever you in want. In theory, but if I if I accepted a job doing a podcast and they were like, we'll pay you a million dollars, but you have to move to New York, then like that's kind of how it works, right? Sure. But like you'd have options at least. Like there are no other, you know, and you know, comparable NBA jobs out there or basketball jobs that pay on this level. Um, but I think like so in theory, like, is there a scenario where, you know, instead of entering the draft and getting sent to Siberia? Not only you, maybe you don't pick exactly where you want to go, but it's like a doctor. You know, doctors like have to match in a way. You know this about like, um, I guess it's for residency or whatever, where it's like you give your top five choices and then they see if they have a spot for you, et cetera. Is there a scenario where the draft prospect like Chet Holmgren could decide of these bottom three teams, where would you like to go? Yeah, it'd be great if they did that, but they're not. I mean, it's no, this is- but like my point is like, so even if that, that any sort of modicum of player empowerment in the draft or in contracts or whatever it sounds like a good idea for players to have the freedom but here's the longer thought it would be really destructive to the average player yeah and i'll tell you why because then you get reach a point where certain teams are just not you know viable new orleans being one of them maybe oklahoma city wherever it's like we cannot keep good players or draw good players, we cannot justify morally, ethically, like economically having roster, paying the same amount of money on a roster as the Lakers. Like we're going to have to pay 30 million for our roster. That, we, that's kind of why. That, that's and then all why. of a sudden, like the, the pool of money for everybody sinks. I mean, that's kind of why you're seeing the situation in Oklahoma city this year, right? Like at least new Orleans is like spending money. Yeah. But like Oklahoma city's 35 million below the, Salary yeah. floor. Right. Like, and they have to pay it. But you couldn't, if if there are this sort of like big market, small market teams, like in European soccer, where it's like the small markets are just never competitive, then you can't give them a salary floor because they would just lose. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, again, this is, this is like a longer conversation, but I, I think the point remains that like Zion doesn't have any leverage here. And if a guy with his injury history is really going to go, like even let's say he plays would you say he has two years left, right? On this deal, this is year three. Okay, so he's two years left. They're obviously going to extend him a qualifying offer. So let's say he plays 50% of the games for the next two years and then accepts the qualifying offer and gets hurt. He probably still would get a max deal. Like that, that's kind of so. the point. Like he doesn't yeah. really, given what we've seen from him, if he can show up and credibly prove that he is athletic and relatively in shape, he's going to get paid no matter what he does. So it'll be an interesting case to see if he will be the first guy to not accept a max rookie extension because we have not seen that happen yet, but obviously new Orleans is prepared to do that. Well, and I think the, the leverage he could use 
in a way that I would feel okay about is being like, look, I'm not forcing a trade. I'm not going to sit out games. I'm just letting you know, New Orleans, that I'm going to take the one year restricted and I'm not going to resign. I promise. Right. And then they, resign. then they have an opportunity to trade him. If then they they'd want. almost have to trade him. Right. Right. And that's, and, and that's, that's a little bit different. Like that's, you know, we got into this a little bit where this is kind of what happened with James Harden, where he basically seemed to make it known to the Nets that like he would not opt in. And right. if that's the case, then that's like, all right, well now we have to make a deal. And so I think you're right. If they're just, if he's just up front and he's like, listen, I'm not going to sign an extension here. I'm going to take a QO. Then they'll, they'll be like, okay, fine. Here's the QO. And then you trade him in that last year of the deal and you, and you see what you can get. And that, and that, that that's fair. Cause you could even trade him before that too. If he says he's going to do that, you know, you could get more for him if a team knows they're getting him for two right. years and they get an opportunity to get his restricted well, free agent rights. The most smoke has been about the Knicks. I just don't see how the Knicks get it done. Like, they could theoretically sign him, but like they'd have to clear some room. Like they have, you know, Fournier on a long-term contract. They have like some, you know, random. Yeah, they have a bunch of like contracts. salary dumps they could make, but it just doesn't seem like Zion with Tom Thibodeau would be a disaster. Well, I don't think Thibodeau is going to be there whenever Zion shows That's up. Probably That's probably true. If you knowing what you know about Zion, like what do you think is his, because you actually know a little bit more about these high school guys, college guys, see him growing up. Like, what do you think is the ideal situation? Because it seems like a pretty good like basketball Atlanta, Like Atlanta, maybe. Like, play with Trey Young. Young. Somebody like that. Yeah, that's my guess. I don't know that for a fact, to be honest. I'm, I'm not really sure. Charlotte, somewhere like that. I thought Charlotte, too, with LaMelo. I think you're on the right track with that. Like, a guard who's going to kind of take um, a lot of the, the soldier, a lot of the burden of like star power too you know and, yeah and, and then you have zion you know we've kind of always talked about this like he might be better served from a personality standpoint to be your second best player because he's going to sell no matter what the stuff that he does yeah, it would be kind of I, I hate the idea of zion like forcing his way out but zion with lamella zion with trey young would be kind of cool to see like a young yeah. you know super team to be clear i don't i i don't think that New Orleans will do anything with him in the offseason. I would expect him to be supposedly getting healthy to play in New Orleans this coming season would be my expectation. That's that's my and my expectation too. I'd say if it was on Bovada, it'd be like minus 200 that he's back because also if you're a team and you're going to mortgage your future for Zion, like he hasn't played in a year. Yeah, you don't you don't know. It's, there, there are some unknowns. I think there are some teams that would do it, right? Like if you were the Knicks specifically, let's just use the Knicks here. You want to do it, right? Because like, Although we thought the Knicks would be better than they are, they've probably pretty much been about the same team as they were this past last year. They've just gotten a little bit more unlucky, but they have no chance right now to like draft a star. So like, if you get a chance to take a shot on Zion, you probably have to do it, right? That's why they traded for Cam Reddish. So like, if the Knicks could do it, you should probably overpay for him because if he turns out to be what you think he can be, then you got yourself a star and you didn't have to draft him. But there aren't a ton of teams, I think, that are in that same boat. Yeah, and I think... um... Like Washington probably should do it if they if they could, you know what I mean? But yeah, like there's that, just almost no way to do it without a top three pick. Sacrame- and then I think Sacramento should do it if they could. If they could, but again, they can't. No, and Zion is. I don't want to say that I think he's definitely going to play on the Knicks in his career, but man, I think it's I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion that he ends up in New York at some point. I don't know why. I just like well, we've just seen this like play out so many times. Yeah, like, like we're almost spoiled by Giannis like staying in Milwaukee because he's the exception. We're just like spoiled point. by Giannis in general. Like the guy just like throws. But, up you know, somebody wrote an article about that. I, it was astute too. We've talked about it. Do small market teams need to build around 
international players who yeah, are maybe different. more content to stay. It's different. The, the, um, the lifestyle, and I'm not going to, we'll, we'll end on this, but like, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the longer term conversation about like the AAU culture and whatnot, but when you're not in the spotlight for your entire career and like you, you haven't been sort of not necessarily like coddled, but you haven't been sort of brought up to understand like what that lifestyle is. It, it's, it's different. You know, it, it really is. Well, and I want so, to end on this one late breaking story. It seems likely they say now that the New York mayor, newly elected Adams. Yeah. So he just gave the a press mandate. Conference. Um, about the vaccine. So right now on Bovada, for example, the Brooklyn Nets may be a value. They're plus 250 to win the conference. They're plus 600 to win the title. And at this current moment, Sean Marks said that he thinks that you could see Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons within a week, maybe a little bit longer, but like probably within that one to two right. weeks. So that plus range. 600 to win a title, it's not like jumps at you, but it's certainly better. It was plus 300 a few weeks ago. So. I want to see real quick how many games the Nets have left before we sign off. Because they're actually, at the eighth spot right now, so it's not guaranteed they're going to even. All right, it. so the Nets are the eighth spot. They're thirty-one and twenty-eight. That equals fifty-nine, if my math is correct. So they have twenty-three games left, and they're going to probably would say KD and Simmons miss probably about five more. So we'll get an eight, kind of an eighteen-game sprint to the end of the season. This so could they signed Goran Dragic, which we did not mention. This could but... be a lot of fun. Actually, I'm pretty. Pretty excited about it, to be honest with you, Sam, to see what happens. Seth Curry shooting 52% for them from three. Right he's now. played like three games. Come on now. Come on. Bargain bin value, 99 cents to a free agent. So, all right, that is it for us this week. We will get some <laughs> actual, we'll get some games in next week. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we see, we haven't heard any news about Harden yet and when he's going to officially play, I would assume it will be in the next week. And then, like I said, hopefully we get Ben Simmons in this next week or two just to see him because the league yeah, is better it's a, it's when a home he stretch now. Let's get but it yeah, done. We got 30. It should be a really fun playoff, so stick with us for the rest of the year. All right. Uh, he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show, ZandrickEllison at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back next week. As always, Zan, it's a pleasure. See you. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.